Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. If you would please, to the book of Acts, chapter 16, to a familiar text, at least it should be a familiar text to each and every one of us who desires to have God's presence and power manifested in our lives. Do you desire to have God's presence and power manifested in your life? How many of you appreciate it when God shows up on the scene and manifests His power on your behalf so that you can have victory in circumstances? You know, there's a lot to be learned in the Word of God, but I think the most important thing for us to learn is how to have reality with God. I mean that because otherwise all you're going to have is religious form without power. How many of you appreciate religious form only without power? Is that what you want in your life? No. We want more than that, don't we? We don't want to experience religious form without power. We want to have the power of God manifested in and through our lives so that we can experience reality, so that we can cash in on the benefits of the covenant, the things that belong to us. We want reality. I believe people throughout the world are looking for reality with the living God. They're tired of being pushed around by the enemy. They're tired of being overcome by the circumstances of life. They're tired of going through the, the, the motions of church, ritualism and traditionalism and all those different things. People are looking to experience reality with the living God. Amen. People want something that's going to produce assurance in their hearts. They want to know that they can have eternal life. They want to know that the God that they serve is big enough to deliver them from the problems that they face in everyday life. Beloved, if he's not our today problem solver, then who is he? If he is not here to help us right now, then, then what's, what's he doing? If God's on our side, beloved, and we know that he is because the word of God says that he is, then he should be actively involved in the affairs of our lives, bailing us out of trouble, delivering us from our afflictions and troubles. You know, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen. It says he delivers them out of all their troubles also. I believe that he wants to be actively involved in the affairs of our lives. He wants to be intimate with us in life. You see, if there's any limitations, beloved, I believe we set the limitations on God. He certainly doesn't limit himself to us, does he? He has given of himself totally. In every way possible, God has given himself to us. And, beloved, you know, we can reach potentially for the stars in actuality. You can reach out there for the highest that you can receive in God and experience in God if you desire. We are the only ones who can limit the activity of God's, God's power in our lives and his activity in our lives. We're the only ones that can do that. Because he is not going to do that. As a matter of fact, does this sound like a limitation? All things are possible to him that believeth. Isn't that what Jesus said? I don't see any limits there to you. And whatsoever you shall ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. No limits there. No, but the Bible does say they limited the Holy One of Israel. In Psalm 78, doesn't it say that with regard to the Israelites? Didn't they limit the Holy One of Israel? Sure they did. How did they limit Him? Through unbelief. How did they limit Him? Through greed. How did they limit Him? Through jealousy. How did they limit Him? Through anger, murmuring, complaining. All these different things set up boundaries in their lives. And God could not manifests himself in the greater way. As a matter of fact, you think about Jesus over there at Nazareth. He did many mighty works before that time. Great miracles were wrought by his hands. Mighty things were wrought by him. But in Nazareth, the Bible says he could there do no mighty work. Why? And then we find out why. Because of their unbelief. And so their unbelief did what? It limited the Holy One of Israel. Can you see that? So there are no limitations as far as God is concerned. 
And as far as Jesus is concerned, he says, what you believe for, you will receive. For all things are possible to him that believeth. And so, beloved, we want to learn how to unleash the ability of God on our behalf. We have certain covenant rights. We have certain privileges. These things genuinely belong to us. We have a right to experience all that Jesus bought and paid for when he died on Calvary's cross and ascended with his own blood in the heavenly place and offered it up as a living sacrifice for us. Amen? Absolutely. We have the right to experience it all. And if we don't experience it, it's obviously due to us, ourselves. I mean, I have to take the blame, beloved. What about you? You know, if I never experienced salvation in my life, who can I blame? My neighbor? Can I blame my neighbor? Absolutely not. Why? Because it's mine. It belongs to me. I can have it if I want to. If I don't experience it, it's because I didn't do anything to receive it. But if I reach out and accept Christ as my Savior and Lord, then I receive it. It's an act of my faith. It's an act of my will. I don't limit God in that capacity. Well, beloved, if I choose to stop there and say, well, I'm satisfied because, you see, I'm saved from damnation. I'm satisfied now. And if I don't go any further than that in God, then it's my fault that I have limited the activity of God in my life. You know what? If I don't get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues, that's my fault. It's not God's fault. Can you see that? And if you have that understanding, you can follow that line of thinking right, all, right through the Bible, right, in every aspect of life. You can follow that right through the Bible, and you'll see it applies to every aspect of our lives. If I don't receive my healing, that's my fault. If I don't receive it. I know sometimes that sounds, my goodness, people say, I, I find that hard to understand. If I don't receive salvation, beloved, that's my fault, not God's. You see, God is, is saying to us, Potentially speaking, all these things belong to us. Salvation belongs to us. The baptism in the Holy Ghost belongs to us. Healing belongs to us. Financial assistance belongs to us. Deliverance belongs to us. You know, we can be delivered and set free from anything that binds us or anything that holds us in bondage. We can be free from that. But you see, that's up to us as to whether or not we want to be free. If we genuinely want to be free, we can be free. Who the Son of Man hath made free is free indeed. I like to look at it this way. If I say it's God's fault that I didn't receive something from Him, then I'm blaming Him. And in actuality, I'm saying that He is worse than a natural father. Anyone who does not provide for his own is worse than an infidel. And a natural father who has the ability to provide for his own will do so. But if we're saying that God is not willing to deliver you from that thing or heal you or help you, then he's worse than a natural father. I mean, a natural father who loves his child is going to provide for his child. How many of you fathers out there, if you saw your child sick and dying, if you could provide healing, would you provide it? Would you do it? You absolutely would do it. Well, does our loving Heavenly Father love us less than a natural earthly father? And the answer is no. But you see, here's the dilemma. The thing is, we've got to learn to receive these things by faith. Because that's the way God operates. We're not twisting His arm to get anything. He has already taken that initial step towards us through Jesus. And He's made provisions for it all. See, the thing is, He operates in the spiritual realm by certain laws. And unless we learn how to apply those certain laws in our lives and set those things in motion in our lives, although, that, although God is reaching out this way in an aggressive manner towards us, the thing is to get it from the spiritual realm of life into the natural realm of life requires faith on the part of the individual. We've got to bring it into this realm through faith and by faith. And that's why as students, as disciples of Christ, we've got to learn how to do our part. And beloved, again I say it's not an easy matter because it involves our entire being. It involves our entire dedication. It involves our entire consecration to the things of the kingdom of God. To the principles of the kingdom. To learn how to, to live by the principles of the kingdom. To learn how to operate in spiritual laws. See, it's not automatically experienced in a person's life. We have things warring against us, trying to prevent us from experiencing these blessings, whether it be deliverance for us, whether it be healing for us, 
I'll tell you what. When, when God was moving upon your heart by His Spirit to convict you of the need of salvation, how many of you know that God's Spirit was trying to tell you, you need to get saved out there, young man or young lady? Before you ever accepted Christ, you had the conviction of the Holy Ghost coming upon you. And something was drawing you in, and that was conviction. The Spirit of God is unleashed in the day in which we live to do that, to, to, to touch a person's life and to draw them in. But all the meanwhile, there were other forces targeting your life, trying to keep you away from Jesus. I remember telling someone about Jesus one time. And I'll tell you what, as, as I quoted the Word of God and quoted the Word of God and quoted the Word of God, I would just rattle off Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. didn't have the Bible. He had the Bible. Looking them up, looking them up, looking them up, looking them up. And I'll tell you what, this person just could not believe it. It says, how do you know where all these Scriptures are at in the Bible? How do you know that they're all in there? I mean, you, you know that manual a whole lot better than I know the, you know the mechanics manual. And he was very much into mechanics, auto mechanics and all that. He said, my goodness. I says, well, you, you're into your mechanics manual because you know that you can read through that thing and find out the things that you need and how to you know, fix your car and all that stuff. And that excites you. And so you get involved in all that. I said, the Word of God excites me. It excites my life and my heart. And as a result, I get into it to study, to find out what God said, because I think that's the most important thing in life is to find out what God thinks about things and what God says about things. And so that really impressed that person. And that person was just excited about what he was hearing <laughs> until someone came along. And I, we really thought this person's going to open up his heart to Jesus. And someone else came along a few days later and said, don't listen to him. They're communists. Now think about that. Here's the Spirit of God convicting this person. Here's someone sowing the seed of the Word of God in that person's life and getting excited about it. Someone else comes along and undermines all that. You think he was God-inspired or demon-inspired? Demon-inspired to undermine all that, telling that person that person's communist. And therefore, you can't listen to what he's saying. So what I'm saying is there are forces coming against us to keep us away from the truth. Someone tells you that God desires to heal you and to make you whole. Someone else comes along and says, only if it be his will. That's not God inspired, my friend. The day of miracles is long past. It's gone. Who are we kidding? The God of miracles is still alive. Jesus has risen from the dead. And beloved, if he could do anything before being raised from the dead, he can do a whole lot more after being raised from the dead because he has all authority in heaven and earth. The Bible says when Jesus was raised up from the dead, he has all authority and all powers he is. But you see, the thing is, he gave that power to us to go forth and we are to, in his name, continue his works upon this earth and do great exploits in his name. And so you see why it's absolutely essential and important that we stop being religious and start Getting radical, getting fanatical about the authority and the power that we have as born-again believers. We're not going to lay down and die. We're not going to be defeated in life. It's time to rise up and recognize we have the keys to the kingdom. We have the keys to the kingdom. Did I tell you to turn somewhere in that Bible? Forget it. <laughs> For Matthew chapter 16, I'm going with the Holy Ghost flow tonight. What about you? <laughs> Say it with me. I have the keys, have the keys to, the kingdom. to the kingdom. And what that means is I have authority. Can you imagine walking around? How many of you see some of those guys walk around with their key ring, you know, and, and they've got all these keys dangling down from their sides? How many of you? And they maybe work at a school as a janitor or something like that. They've got the key to every room and every door and, and all that. You've got the keys to the kingdom. Did you hear that? If that doesn't excite you, you're not excitable. <laughs> You've got the keys to the kingdom. You hold the keys to the operation of the kingdom of God. You know, if you had a key to get inside your car, it's an easy thing when the doors are locked to get inside your car. But if you take that key and you lock that key inside your car with the motor running and a half a tank of gas, it's not going to be an easy thing for you to get inside that car. It's going to be a lot more difficult, isn't it? That key means a whole lot, doesn't it? 
Can you see how the key makes things easier? Can you see that? Keys make it easy to get into the building. Did you know that? You ever lock your keys out of, inside the house? Fun thing, isn't it? Oh. And after you shut that door and then that gut feeling you get and you go, Oh, no. You want to see how important keys are then? Keys are important then, aren't they? Absolutely. See, it's important to, to have the key because it's a whole lot easier to get the job done. You've got to get on the inside. Well, beloved, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, in verse 18, Jesus said to Peter, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. You know, people get so religious over these things. Well, now, who's he talking about? And, and what's all this that he's talking about? Thou art Peter upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. Is Jesus exalting Peter and all that? You see, the devil would have us distracted. And try to get us off on tangents and get us away from what Jesus is trying to say to us here. It's irrelevant. The thing that's relevant here is this. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Now notice this in the latter part of the verse. He's going to build his church, that is Jesus, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The powers of darkness will not prevail against the church that Jesus builds. When Jesus was raised up from the dead, he became the head of the church. And he, as the master builder, was going to take individuals and impart to them gifts and manifestations of the Spirit so that they would take their place in the body of Christ. And he's going to build a church. Jesus would build this church. And he states that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what? Since that time, beloved, the enemy has tried to destroy the church of the living God. And of the living Christ. But he has been unsuccessful and will continue to be unsuccessful because of those words that Jesus spoke in faith. He said the gates of hell will not overpower, destroy, and bring down the church that I build. And we're a part of that overcoming church. We're a part of that victorious church. We will not be overcome. We will not be destroyed. Why? Jesus said so. I believe in his words. What about you? And you know what? We look at that from a, a broad perspective and we say he's talking about the whole body of Christ. Yes, he really is. But did you know the church is also made up of individual members in the body of Christ? And you can say that I am the body of Christ upon this earth. Are you not the body of Christ? You most certainly are. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you over your life. You're not going to be defeated. Amen. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound, shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want you to see something, beloved. What Jesus is trying to make clear here is... Once he is raised up from the dead with all authority and with all power, he's going to give to us that same authority and that same power. For the keys to the kingdom stand for authority and power. He's going to give us the keys to the operation of the kingdom of God and what you bind will be bound. Having heaven's support. All of heaven will stand behind it because it's already bound out of heaven. And what you loose in your life will be loosed because it's already been loosed out of heaven. So you have the keys to the operation of the kingdom of God. You and I hold the authority that is needed to either bind things or loose things. I like to say it this way. We have the keys that we can lock up or unlock. We can lock up or unlock. Now, you think about it next time the devil tries to come over your house and deliver you a package of bondage. You're going to open up the door and unlock the door and say, come on in. Bring in your, you know, powers and, and those things that would bind. Or are you going to lock that door and say, I refuse to entertain it in my life. I'm going to lock this door because I hold the key. I hold the key. I hold the key. What I allow in my life will be allowed. What I disallow will be disallowed. 
Do you see that? That's what Jesus is saying here. You say, well, where does God fit in this thing? Well, God is the one that established the law. God is the one who said it and spoke it in His Word. God is the one whose desire was and whose purpose was to see to it that He empowered us with authority and power so that while He's up there and we're down here and He's living on the inside of us, we can take control and take authority over situations that would come against us. You know why? Because in actuality, as long as we're living in the state that we're in right now, He has no power over our will. Did you hear that? He has no power over our will. He's saying, I can't make you accept Jesus if you don't want to. You know who holds the key to that? You do. I do. I hold the key to that. If I want to open up the door and, and allow Jesus into my heart, he'll come in. If I say no and I lock the door, he can't come in. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice... And open up the door. Who's got the key? You have the key. I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. But if he doesn't unlock the door and let him in, Jesus is not going to force his way in. But on the other hand, the, the devil's like the big bad wolf. He doesn't care if the door is locked. He's going to try to bash down the door. He's going to try to come in. Huff and puff and blow, whatever he has to do. Because the enemy is pushy. See, he's not polite like Jesus, like the Holy Ghost. He is pushy. He's going to try to put pressure on you because he, he knows your state. And he's going to try to put pressure on you and put pressure on you and put pressure on you. You know that thing, I'll take a small thing, that thing that you've been delivered from or you're wanting to be delivered from? The enemy will see to it. For example, you have a problem with... Maybe eating, okay, an eating disorder or something like that. And, you know, maybe you're attempting to, to lose weight for whatever. Maybe, maybe you have to lose weight for your health, for health reasons or something like that. You know, and the enemy will see to it. Believe me, that in that area of your life, all kinds of pressure is placed around, around your life. Why? To, to more or less force you into doing what you know you shouldn't be doing. And, beloved, we're not saying it's an easy matter. And especially if you try to combat that thing without the key. Because you see the pressures are coming against you and the pressures are coming against you. Why do you think the pressures of life are always coming against us? The cares of this world, the lusts of other things are coming against us. Because even though we have authority, the enemy doesn't want us to use our authority to rise up victorious in these areas of our lives. If he can keep us shut down, see, he can keep us unsuccessful and defeated. Now, he'll force these things upon us. But see, God won't do that. God's a gentleman. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. And he'll not force his way into our lives. He'll only very gently and softly lead us and direct us and guide us and make himself available to us. How many of you know that God makes himself available to us? He makes the Holy Ghost available to every child of God. And if you're not spirit-filled, experiencing the, the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and speaking with other tongues and generating miracle-working power, although the Spirit of God will gently lead you in that direction, He'll not force you to, to, to enter into that experience. Because, see, once again, you hold the key. And He says, I'm going to leave it up to you as to whether or not you want to unlock that door. Want to unlock some good doors and some right doors? Unlock the door to the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen. I'm going to tell you something right now. You'll never be the same. Amen. Let me give you a little bit of a testimony here about Sister, Sister Edna Lance. We've shared with you how you know, she's been in the hospital and she is improving and we thank God for that. But uh, as a result of her experience, she was, had a very, has a very difficult time as far as communicating right now. And uh, it's been difficult for her to communicate with us as we're visiting her and talking to her, you know, and, and uh, if you ask her a question, she'll start to answer the question. But because of what happened in her physical body, she can't get the rest of the words out. She knows what she wants to say, but she can't get the rest of the words out. And as we visited her the other day, uh, Brother Chuck and I had asked her, we, we heard that it's difficult for you at this point to talk to us in the English language. But we also heard that you can still speak in tongues. And she just sat there, just looked up and she goes, yes, I can, and started to go 100 miles an hour. She took off in tongues 100 miles an hour and then got back to English and couldn't communicate with us. 
What does that tell you? Tongues is not of the natural mind. Tongues has nothing to do with the human psyche. Tongues is of the spirit. The spirit has freedom. Do you see that? And I'll tell you what, beloved. What a blessing. Because as you speak in other tongues, you generate miracle working power. As you generate miracle working power, you build up the, the, the power of God in your life in such a way that it begins to touch every realm of your life, every part of your body. The power of God that's being released through your prayer language is affecting you in your body and also in your soul, in your mind. And so you see, although she has, doesn't have that ability at this point to effectively communicate in the English language, man, she can talk to God all day long. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? And as a result of talking to, to God in the Spirit, it's improving her in the natural. Can you see that? Do you see what I'm talking about here? And so you still have the ability to uh, release or unlock supernatural things. That's what we want to do. We want to lock up things that don't belong to us and unlock the things that do belong to us. You know, deliverance is yours. You need not be bound up by any particular thing. And we're, we can be free. But the thing is, we have to lock up that door. Whatever it is. You know, whatever that habit is, whatever that uh, addiction is, whatever it is, we can lock that door. You have the authority. Say it with me. I have the authority. I hold the keys to the operation of the kingdom of God in my life. What I lock up will be locked up. What I unlock will be unlocked in Jesus' name. See, it's up to us. And God is in that. You say, it sounds like you're doing that apart from God. No, on the contrary. We're doing it in cooperation with God. Here's what many have failed to understand. God is not going to impose Himself upon anyone's life. And also, God has got to honor certain laws. He cannot override certain laws. If He does, then He's not operating properly. That's why Jesus had to legally die for us, beloved. If Jesus didn't die a legal death, then Satan and the kingdom of darkness could have accused God of being unjust. But you see, God doesn't operate that way. God operates through legal channels. And since Adam legally transferred his authority over to, to or Adam legally transferred his authority over to Satan, Satan had the legal right to use that authority over all mankind, and he will have that right until his lease runs out. But Jesus, in the meantime, came to undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. He came to strip him of the authority that was given to him by Adam when he, when he fell and rebelled against God, and Jesus did that. And when Jesus rose up from the dead, he said, Look, I am he that liveth and was dead, but now behold, I'm alive forevermore. Turn to the book of Revelation, if you wouldn't mind, with me. To the first chapter of the book of Revelation. And verse 18. I want us to see this. Jesus came, knowing our dilemma. He came to undo, outdo, overdo the works of the devil. He did all that. He arose from the dead, and when he did, the Bible says he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now he's alive, resurrected from the dead, ascends on high with all power and all authority. I mean, that's wonderful. But, beloved, how many of you know that Jesus didn't have to do that for himself? He didn't need that. He was at the Father's right hand from the beginning. I mean, He didn't need any of that, beloved. He did that for us. He did that for you. He did that for me. So that we could have something. What was it? Look at what it says here. I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Verse 18 of, of Revelation chapter 1. Amen. And have the keys. I have the keys. Of hell and of death. That means he has authority over death, hell, and the grave. Now, you know what, beloved? 
If he has the authority, he has the power, he has the keys, and he delegates to us that authority, that power, the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you lock up will be locked up already having been locked up out of heaven. Satan has no right, beloved. You see that? He has no right to enter heaven. He's destroyed. He's defeated. He is no longer able to lord it over our lives because he no longer has the authority to do so. See, the average child of God doesn't understand this. Like I said, we're taught to live a life of whatever will be, will be. Well, you know what? Those days are long past. I said those days are over. And there are people that are out there in the body of Christ that are, that are being raised up as a new breed of people that are recognizing the fact that they don't have to live by whatever will be, will be. Because they're recognizing that they can take their place as a son, as a daughter of the Most High God, empowered with authority, holding the keys to the operation of the kingdom of God, and saying, I resist Satan, I resist his powers, I resist uh, whatever he would bring my way. I refuse to allow that in my life any longer. I choose to lock up that curse. But someone says, you don't understand, it's going to be handed down from one generation to the next. Not if you lock it up. I said, not if you lock it up and keep it out. We don't have to allow that into our lives. It no longer has to be a hereditary thing as far as you're concerned. You can say it stops right here. I mean, that could be a medically proven fact that you may have something and it's, it's obviously going to be passed on to your child. But you can stop that thing right there. You can say, I live by a higher law. I found a new way of living, praise God. I found a brand new life. I can lock that thing up. And I do so with the words of my mouth by the authority that was given to me through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. See, the things that we have failed to recognize, beloved, is something that Paul said in the book of Galatians. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. Have you, have you ever viewed yourself as not living? He said, yet not I. Are you listening? I don't live, but Christ liveth in me. Did you hear that? Say that with me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Paul was saying, I have decreased in such a way that I no longer live. Christ is living in me. Christ is living in me. I'm not pursuing my own goals or purposes in life. Christ is living in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. When I say it's our responsibility to lock those things out of our lives or loose the things of God into our lives, that faith comes to us via the Son of God. It is the faith of the Son of the living God who chooses to empower His people with authority that can lock up the powers of darkness, lock up the powers of sickness, unlock the powers of healing and health, unlock the powers that will bless us in, in every aspect of life. See, that's up to us. We have the authority to unlock the door to salvation in its fullest sense and meaning if we choose to do so. It's up to us. Will we do it? See, that's the big question. And beloved, I believe God is saying that it's His desire that we rise up to the occasion. That we get to the place that we're no longer going to tolerate that activity in our lives any longer. Whatever it is that would hold us in bondage. For example, you have been bound up by fear. Fear seems to grip your life. Or worry or anxiety. And it seems like no matter what takes place or what happens, you overreact and become anxious. And fretful and all that. And you don't have the ability to look beyond the present and see that on the other side there is a calm and there is a peace. And that you're not going to be destroyed. And the outcome of that particular situation doesn't have to be what the circumstance is trying to dictate it to be. You can rise up in the face of that storm like Jesus did when they woke him up when he was sleeping in the ship and say, peace be still. See, when you recognize that God made you to dominate, how many of you recognize that fact and know that God made man to dominate? 
God did not make man to be dominated. God made man to dominate. Go on back with me, if you would, please, to the 8th Psalm. Psalm 8. God did not make man to be dominated by the forces around him. See, too often we're quick to get down on ourselves. Because of man's fallen state, because of his rebellion, and because of his sin, we are too quick to get down on ourselves. That we're not worthy enough for this. That we're not a good enough Christian to, to, to walk in the power and the authority that God has given to us through Jesus. And as a result of this inferiority complex, we don't take our place as God wants us to take our place. He is saying, I have raised you up to sit together with Christ in the heavenlies and you want to operate from this low place here upon this earth of the flesh. You want to see yourself for who you are in the flesh and fail to see yourself for who you are in Christ. And as a result of that attitude, you are locking me out. You're locking up the authority and the power that is yours. He's saying, look, I made you to dominate. I made you to exercise authority over all the works of my hands. Look at Psalm 8, beloved. And verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Do you believe that? No one would deny that. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. you believe that? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? Well, what is man that thou art so mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. And if you will do yourself a study. And if you are sincere in your heart. You'll know that verse 5 when it says he made man a little lower than the angels. The word angels there is really incorrectly translated. It is the word Elohim and it's that he made man a little bit lower than God himself. Angels were not made in the image of God, but man was made in the image of God. See, it's because we've never, you know, taken thought. We never go back there and realize how was Adam when God made him. Beloved, if you saw how Adam was when God made him, you'd marvel. Oh, you would marvel. Here we are, if we use 10% of our mental faculties, we're considering Einstein, a genius. You ever thought about whatever happened to the other 90? Think about that. Adam didn't use 10% of his brain, he used 100. Do you see how far man fell from the presence of God? And the effect the fall had upon man's being, his entire being. Did we use 10%? He used 100%. And I'm telling you that other 90% was all the knowledge of God. It was insight into the operation of faith, the laws of the spirit of life. We're talking about man had knowledge that would absolutely, if I can I say this without being criticized, blow your mind. I mean that. You talk about a, a being, he can name all the animals. I mean, this man had intelligence. He could sit down and carry on an intelligent conversation with the Most High and not reach for words. He was crowned with glory and honor, made in the image of the Most High. A little bit lower than God himself. Now listen. If you don't believe that, read, read right on through the New Testament. You'll find out we're going to judge the angels. What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is the son of man that thou visitest him? You made him, man, a little lower than God himself. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have. You made him to have. You made him to have dominion. Don't miss it here. You made man to have complete authority over all the works of your hands. 
It was man's place to exercise supreme dominion over all the works of his hands. In other words, all that God created in the realm of life with regard to man was created for man to have dominion over it. Can you see that? God made man and gave him dominion over everything that he created. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And that agrees 100% with the Genesis account of creation, where it said that God gave man supreme authority over all the works of his hands. The fish of the sea, the fowl of the air. God gave man complete authority. He crowned him with glory and honor and put him in this high place and says, there, it's all yours. Exercise your dominion and your authority. Well, beloved, since that time of man's fall, when he lost all that, he became inferior. And rather than being in supreme control and authority over all the things that surrounded him, he became fearful of all that. Upheaval came to every dimension of life, every realm of life. In every realm, there was all this upheaval that produced fear. As a result of all that and his inferiority complex, man is now ruled by the laws of nature. He is ruled by the circumstances that surround him. And he shies away from anything that is fearful. Well, beloved... Jesus came to change all that. And when he came, beloved, he rose up victoriously over death, hell, and the grave. And through the law of the spirit of life, he has empowered us with authority that enables us to exercise dominion once again in our own domain. Do you know that in the household in which you live, wherever your house is on that street, do you know you can walk around your property? And everywhere the soles of your feet tread, you can say that this place belongs to me. I am in supreme authority in my own domain. And I say that demon powers, I'm serving you notice right now. You'll not cross the the threshold of the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not be able to enter into my household with your powers and and, and, and your sicknesses and your diseases and your forces of evil and your bad habits and your whatnot and your whatever. And do you realize that if you walk around that place and say, I refuse to open up the door to allow any of your activity in into my house, into my life, into the life of my loved ones. You have the authority to do that. Do you realize that the enemy has got to honor you and honor your word and honor your authority? I remember when we sold our house over there in Midland when they said houses could not be sold. I did. Ex- I just. I just. Uh, you know. Just ignored everything that everybody said. Picked up my Bible. I don't know if the neighbors thought it. They thought I was a lunatic by then, anyhow. So I just confirmed it. I just confirmed it. Took this book, walked outside, walked around the property. They probably thought, there he goes. He's absolutely out of his mind once again. And I said, I said, it's now time for us to release this property unto someone else who God will provide to buy this property. And so I said, angels of God. Go forth in Jesus' name, for they are ministering spirits and forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. I said, you go forth and you find the buyer, you find the person that will buy this property. I release it in the name of Jesus. And you know, he, they did. And to make a long story short, I acted on Mark 11, 23 and 24. Walked around the property, released it unto the Lord and, and, and all that. I had the authority to do so. And the property was sold and, and we weren't even asked to come down one penny. On the property there. What I'm saying is you have authority, beloved. You have authority. You have dominion. And if you haven't done so yet, you know, you may want to do it. You may have to be as crazy as I was to walk around on the outside. I mean, you don't have to do it that way. I just literally just took took a hold of it and did it that way. You You can walk out there and say this property belongs to me. It's off limits to all demon powers and demon activities. 
I refuse to give place to the devil. I refuse to give any ground or territory to the devil. And if there's any package he would have to deliver over this way, I just lock it out of my house. I lock it out of my life. This is the house of God right here. You are the temple of the Most High God. You have supreme authority and power. You can exercise that authority in your own domain. You have the right to to lock out the powers of darkness, to exercise that dominion. You have a right to do that. I'll tell you something else we have the right to do, beloved. You know, God has also provided us a positive side of this. You know, we can actually enter into His holiest presence and we have access to do so. We have a right to enter into the very domain of God. We can approach the presence of the Father because of the blood of Jesus. We have a right, that's our privilege, to, to go like, like Adam did in the cool of the day. He can go there and, and fellowship with God. We can also go back and fellowship with God. We have the right to do that. Jesus gave us that right. He gave us that authority to do that. We have the privilege of being able to do that because we're washed in His blood. But, beloved, I believe the thing that's being emphasized here tonight is this. God made us to have dominion over the works of His hands. And we hold the keys to the operation of the kingdom. And the things that we want bound out of our lives, too often we're just trying to get somebody else to do it for us, to get somebody else to pray for us, to get this job done. And in some cases and in some times, you know, you'll have some success in doing that. But that's not going to carry you through a lifetime. How many of you know you can't live from go- by going to meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting and that carry you throughout your lifetime? God wants us to grow up spiritually. God wants us to rise up in faith and, and believe that we have dominion over all, all that He has given to us, all that belongs to us. And that we can lock out those things that would come against us to destroy us. We can lock out those powers. We can shut them out of our lives. We can refuse to be confused. We can refuse to be full of anxiety and fretting. We can refuse to be in fear over anything. We can refuse those things in our lives. We can stand against sickness and disease. We can do that. We have the right to do that. We have the authority to do that. We've been empowered to do that, beloved. For we hold the keys to the operation of the kingdom of God. And God is saying, rise up. Rise up in faith and take hold of your authority and stand firm against the hand of the enemy, knowing that the greater one has empowered you. The greater one has given unto you dominion to be exercised over all the works of darkness. And you see, beloved, it will come to pass. That those things that have pressured you in life, those circumstances that seemingly were insurmountable, will have to bow their knees. Because, you see, you have bowed your knees to the Lordship of Christ. And they're going to have to bow their knees to the words that you speak. Because you're hooked up with the one that created all things. And so, don't, don't walk around with this, this defeated attitude. With this I can't attitude. The, the, the more we say I can't do it, the more we say that I can't overcome, the more we say I just can't seem to be delivered or my faith just doesn't work, those very words unlock the powers of darkness. Those very words unlock demonic activity. And beloved, if we believe that those words, death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. If we believe that those words can unlock the forces of evil, can unlock demon powers, can unlock... That kind of activity in our lives. How much more can we believe that by saying, no, I refuse to entertain those thoughts in my mind, can unlock the power of God on our behalf to keep those things out of our lives. And when we say, I resist that in the name of Jesus, those words can lock out of our lives the powers that would bring destruction to our lives. And when we say, I stand against whatever that sickness or whatever that disease may be, how much more can we believe that also life is in the power of the tongue? And that we can, through the words that we speak. Now remember, empowered with that kind of authority and dominion, lock those things out of our lives or make those things obey. You know, James talks about that in James chapter 3. That if we learn how to speak right words, we'll also control our entire body. That's what it said there in James chapter 3. You know, medical science or, or, you know, science is discovering that today. That the words that we speak affect our health. The words that we speak affect our health. The cells of our body respond to the words that we speak. Did you know that? They're discovering that today. We could have told them that a long time ago. But they wouldn't have believed us because, you see, we only have the word 
that supports that. They have got to find it under a microscope. Well, thank God they have found that. They've discovered that. They recognize that. They realize that now. And now they're agreeing with us. Praise God. I said they're starting to see it this way. And they're starting to realize that the words that we do speak do affect our bodies. What is that saying? Once again, God has given us authority. God has given us dominion. God has empowered us. We have the keys to the operation of the kingdom. And I'll tell you what, beloved, it works both ways. We can open up the the door to the kingdom of darkness or we can open up the door to the kingdom of light. Whichever it is. We can start speaking words that will unleash the ability of God on our behalf. And if we'll do that, we're going to experience more uh, of the glory of God, more of the power of God, more of the presence of God, and also more victory in our lives. And so rise up. As he said, rise up and, and use your authority. Rise up and speak right words. And as you speak those right words, beloved, you're going to find out uh, this whole brand new way of living is absolutely glorious and also victorious. Hallelujah. So who holds the keys to the operation of the kingdom? You hold the key. And what you allow in your life will be allowed and what you disallow will be disallowed. What you refuse to permit will not be permitted, but what you permit will be permitted. And how do we do that? By the decisions that we make, by the choices that we make, by the words that we speak. You want to let God in, start speaking the Word of God. And you give Him authority and license to come into your life in in a great and more powerful way. Praise God. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, You're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.